Kia ora everyone and welcome to episode 5 of the NZPE TeacherCast. When I decided to start this podcast back in July, I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. I didn't have a microphone, um, I hadn't interviewed anyone in my life, and I knew zero about things like podcast hosting, editing, or any of these other skills needed to get this off the ground. But I went ahead anyway, blind I guess. So what you're about to hear is my very first attempt at a podcast interview, and to be honest it's not pretty. Um, I apologise in advance for my ums and ahs throughout and the constant taps picked up by the microphone. But it is what it is and actually has some good content mainly because Gary, who's our guest, um, can spin such a good yarn. Gary is the current Executive Director of New Zealand Secondary School Sports Council and a former New Zealand Principal. He's also managed the Hurricanes and New Zealand Junior All Blacks in his time as well as a range of other roles. He's, he's a fantastic bloke, um, he's given a lot to sport and physical activity if you haven't heard his presentation on the Soundbite Generation, I've heard it twice now, then you're really missing out. And if you ever get the opportunity to hear him speak, jump on it. Let's get started, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. You're listening to the NZPE TeacherCast, a podcast sharing some of the inspirational stories from amazing health and physical education teachers. Today's episode is sponsored by My Study Series, an online learning platform by New Zealand PE teachers for New Zealand PE teachers and their students. Check it out now at mystudyseries.co.nz. Um, kia ora everyone, I'd like to welcome Gary Carnahan, Executive Director of the New Zealand Secondary School Sports Council. Gary, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, good to be here. Good to see you again, Carl. It was um, fantastic listening to you speak um, at Penzarth. I think you raised some really good valid points and, and um, definitely links in well to a lot of what I'm doing in the classroom. First of all, can you tell me what being the Executive Director of New Zealand Secondary School Sports Council looks like on a day-to-day basis? I've got some idea, but I don't think any of our uh, other listeners or teachers will have uh, any idea. Yeah, I'll actually start by checking out the surf, actually, because I can see it straight from my office. So, uh, so on a daily basis, I uh, figure out where the, where the window for surfing might be nice. if I'm at home. Um, it's, it's hugely varied. It's, um, you're dealing with schools and sport, and at school level, you're dealing with the principals and sports directors. The sport you're dealing with, CEOs, and then the person who's responsible for the um, event, event programs, usually all mm-hmm. young people. Um, and it's really about, there's a myriad of things that you will deal with, from eligibility to safety to cost to goodness knows what, that is all actually about bringing together schools and sport. Mm-hmm. Uh, sport has its needs and the things that it, sh- it sees as important in terms of timing of events and who should be playing and whether it's high performance or participation. and keep making the list. Schools have a raft of needs around the fact that sport is part of what they do and Mm. um, it has to fit into the bigger picture of of a young person's education. Um, And it's about bringing those two together so that school sport can happen. So on a daily basis, if I could predict uh, what I would be doing, um, I'd write a whole list and and you could pick a dozen from it. But I mean, at the moment, for example, um, I am currently conducting a review of um, health and safety of a couple of events where we haven't been particularly happy that um, all reasonable and practical steps have been taken. 
Um, so that's uh, consuming a bit of time. We're about to go into our sanctioning process, which is where people who wish to run New Zealand or South Island, North Island Secondary School Championships have to uh, agree to a number of criteria. So we'll deal with about 220 events in the next six weeks, uh, where we're signing off on everything from um, eligibility to, to cost, to venue, to provider, to health and safety plans. Um, so yeah, a bunch of stuff. Really. You mentioned with schools that you deal a lot with principals and sports yep. coordinators and sports directors. Do you ever deal with teachers sort of at that grassroots level? Not really. Um, I, when I do at events, obviously I, I attend events and, and when I attend events I usually just wander around the sideline mm. and talk to people. Mm. It's a, mm. you know, I guess a hangover from, the, from days as a principal when the sports field's your, your, your place where yeah. you meet your parents really. Um, and so I, I tend to get my feedback from there and through our regional sports director network about at the grassroots level. Obviously when you talk about 450 member schools, which is what we've got, mm. um, and the number of people coaching, uh, 30,000 people coached school That's teams last year. It's very difficult to deal at that level. We tend to um, act on behalf of principals. So for example, if there's an issue, we would not start dealing with it until it was notified officially by the principal. Mm. Um, yeah, so we really need to operate at that level. Mm. Mm. We first met in Tasmania last ne last year where you keynoted at the Atchba conference. And I know you're a busy man. What have you been up to since then? I'm <laughs> sure there's lots of amazing things you're doing. Uh, yeah, well, um, I, for three years I've been um, doing a, a contract for Sport New Zealand as well as a New Zealand secondary schools um, job with Sport Education. So that finished at the end of last year. So it was busy into last year winding that up in terms of... Um, I guess winding up my involvement directly as, as managing the project um, but ensuring the ongoing nature of the project because mm. it's obviously been very successful mm. uh, so that's been a, a big piece of work and I'm still involved in that um, but at a, a lesser level in terms of contributing through um, advice and guidance and a bit of leadership and I'm actually um, looking after two of the schools two of the new schools which has been great mm. a bit of grassroots stuff has been really good um, really coming back into the Secondary School Sports Council environment where I've probably been hands off the operations stuff around um, events uh, for those three years and getting my head back around all that really and um, reconnecting. You know, a, one of the things that happens in sport and education, you have a lot of change and uh, from where I kind of left off being directly involved three years ago to where I'm picking up again now. There's mm. uh, a lot of work to do and just me catching up really. So. Yeah, we heard a lot about in, in your presentation today about just the change that is happening and, and mm. a lot of people aren't really aware about what, what, what is happening and why that's happening so it's good to hear yeah. Yeah. about stuff like that. Where, where, well, my oh, school, and I've been on holiday for two months. Whereabouts? <laughs> I've been in um, France, Spain and Portugal so uh, mm. I'm doing penance for that now so yeah, in terms of when are. we caught up in Tasmania two months of that's been a holiday so Good on you. that's a pretty on significant you. piece. Now our, our school was part of the Sport and Education project now which is yeah. which is fantastic and, and, and we're really loving it and you still have still have some involvement but you, you kind of were the project manager through its three year pilot. What was your vision with the program? What did you really want to see happen and achieve with that? Um, well I guess if you, it's, it's very hard to there's so many things I'd like to see, but if you want to be concise about it, um, I would like to have seen see sport being used um, as a vehicle um, to engage young people in education. And that starts from getting them through the gate to having them pass NCEA to having them become well-adjusted, connected young people and all the things that sport can do, either in sport by taking part in it or through sport 
by being involved in it as a context for learning and those sorts of things. So really to see sport better utilised as a vehicle mm. in education mm. would be a, a sum up of that. I think um, the most exciting thing to me about it, uh, probably being uh, a, you know, a former teacher and principal, was the link between that we managed to get between integrated curriculum mm. and sport. I don't think I saw originally the extent to which that would develop and that was really exciting to be, to get to a point where not only have you got curriculum integrated across a number of subjects uh, using a sporting context but you've actually got assessment uh, at NCA level mm. integrated across those subjects with one task um, covering four subjects and, and up to six or seven mm. achievement standards uh, and the work that NZQA did in supporting us to achieve that and I think probably and internationally too, we've had some recognition that that's been a fairly massive achievement. So, and and that's that's been you know getting on board the program early or, or, or later, sorry, after the original pilot and seeing some of that in action, it's been really inspiring for us. And I think as as physical educators, we we understand the power of sport and and we know that day in and day out. But for us, and and seeing that and integrated curriculum and other learning areas, mm. starting to see that value has been really, um, really good. I think it's really school. good for phys ed because, you know, phys ed is a subject I, I think, you know, has been marginalised by both schools and the Ministry yeah. of Education yeah. for a long time. Um, and yet its ability to contribute right across the learning areas and particularly to contribute to, you know, a, a young person's sense of belonging and to a school and to um, the social uh, aspects of, of all things that happen in schools, is massive and I, you know, pound for pound I've always contended that PE teachers have been the best um, pedagogical experts in the school. Mm. They have the best pedagogies, uh, they have active pedagogy and those are very applicable to other classrooms and so to see PE leading uh, the other subjects in curriculum and assessment um, mm. has And some of the evidence comes out from the UK didn't it with their uh, yeah. um, Ofsted reports? Yeah, we, we used evidence from all over the world on putting the project together, um, but the UK uh, was hugely influential. Um, although it's, it's interesting, they um, certainly have been down this road before us, um, but didn't get to where we got uh, curriculum-wise. And having Sue Campbell out here, who's led that yeah. um, for years over there, um, Baroness Sue was here um, at the end of last year, and was absolutely gobsmacked by what we'd achieved around curriculum and said it was way ahead of where they'd got to mm. in, a, in a lot longer. Mm. So I think, you know, real credit to the schools and the PE teachers particularly involved, but the principals, the other teachers, to actually embrace it and see and take the risk and have a crack, and I think the outcomes have been well worth it. So. Sport and education in its current form has taken on several more schools. Do you think it can keep getting bigger? And if so, what do you think some of the challenges that we're going to start seeing with it? Yeah, I don't know what you mean by bigger. I think it'd be um, I, I, sport education approach has something to offer every school. Mm. Um, that offering will be different. In some places, it will be about curriculum. In other places, it will be about more kids playing sport. Um, in other places, it will be about addressing issues such as truancy. Um, you know, it has something to the approach has something to offer everywhere, connecting communities, whatever it is you might need to do. Um, not all of the approaches will be achievable for all schools, or even right for all schools, and. I think what what I th would like to see as the end point of this is that all schools and principals understand uh, what the sport education approach can offer mm. and from that offering um, are brave enough mm. to pick up the things that they need in their mm. school um, and get some support and, and mm. make it happen. And of all the schools that I've witnessed who are in the program, not one I've seen has delivered it exactly the same as, no. as anybody else. Every no. single school yeah. is just completely different in, in yeah. the way they implement it. 
when we when we first developed the model, um, we needed a model to understand it ourselves and to get money, I guess. But um, when we first developed the model, it had uh, five strands, mm. and we selected eight schools. And within six months, we had forty different things happening. You know? Yeah. Um, we had every every one, of, every one of those eight schools was approaching every one of those five strands differently, um, and that became a, a you know a challenge in itself. Um, to let go mm. and let them do that, and I think mm. the big realization early in the project for us was that this is about the school and what they need and how they do it. And there's no blueprint or model or manual here. Mm. It's about describing the approach, um, having the skeleton of you know what you can hang, how to hang the things on that, but letting them go mm. and letting them say, so what do you need mm. and how's that achievable? Well, I think it's amazing what, what's come of, of sport and education and I'm just thankful that we're a part of it because we're starting yeah, to see some good. solid results in, in our classrooms. Good. You've just presented um, here at Penns and, and I love the title of your workshop, Physical Activity and the Soundbite Generation. <laughs> and you have a lot of data, but is, is screen time really drawing our kids away from physical activity? Um, screen time is occupying a lot of our kids' times and the data supports that strongly. Uh, and, and, and anecdotally, you'll know that. I mean, screen time, there are screens everywhere mm. and kids' pockets are just all over the show. Um, if, if they're spending a lot of time on screen time, then that's time they're not doing something else. Are they doing less physical activity? And is that the substitute? Um, that's a, a long bow to draw. But I think if you look at the fact that we uh, have an increased obesity rate there in the OECD, if you look at the um, time that kids spend not engaged in physical activity or doing no organised sport and those sorts of things, then all the indicators are there that our kids are less physically active than they used to be. Is screen time the problem or is it the opportunity? I think it's both. Yeah. Uh, I think that, you know, if we can understand how kids do connect and what connects them and what draws them, then there's no reason we can't use those exact same tools to draw them into sport and education. And that was that was going to be my next question. Like, you, you talked a lot about responsibility in, in your presentation, your workshop, is, is our responsibility to get them off the device or is it to embrace the device and find ways to use them to get them more physically active? We won't get them off the device, they're mm. here to stay. It'd be yep. like saying we're not going to use washing machines anymore, <laughs> no cars will operate, you know, they're, they're here to stay. It's a, matter of not, it's a matter of understanding what their connectivity needs are and using those and uh, I think we're, we're miles behind, you know. In terms of our responsibility, I mean there are two things here. One is that you know, we're accepting a paycheck every week to um, teach these kids about movement and social skills and particularly and, and get them involved in sport and physically active and so we have a responsibility mm. in that sense, that's a basic sense but more than that, you know, as I said at the end of the presentation that you know, if we lose this generation to physical activity then the next one's lost because other parents are the next one and it's just too important to our social, physical, mental, economic health as a country, as individuals, as communities um, to get to a point where our lack of physical activity um, impacts negatively on all of those things. And so mm. if we've noticed that that's happening, um, we, shouldn't, we, we can't stand by. No, I, th I think we're at a point where we need to make a conscious decision mm. or choice to start mm. doing something about it. Sure. When we spoke last, you you're working on developing an event similar to the, well, you mentioned an event similar to the, to the Teachers Games, yeah. which runs annually in Australia. <laughs> yeah. Now, I literally know hundreds of teachers who would be, <laughs> after seeing what happens in Australia, I know hundreds of teachers who would be pumped about something like this. Can you tell us a bit more about that and how that's progressing? Yeah, yeah it is progressing. Um, the, the big issue at the moment is management. We've got both of the unions involved. Um, PBDA and NZDI are both prepared to commit financially to the the opportunity. The ministry has declined the opportunity, unfortunately, <laughs> despite the fact that health and 
health is a big issue amongst workforces these days. Uh, they have uh, supported it and um, are going to give us a lot of their communication and a whole lot of tools to use to develop it. Um, it's a matter about who owns it, and at the moment we're exploring that. Um, we don't have the capability as a business to own it um, or to deliver it. Mm -hmm. We could own it, but that wouldn't make sense either. Um, we're looking at um, using some existing structures uh, that do similar things to take it on board. So this year I'm taking a group of people back to the Australian event to, that are potential partners in um, owning and delivering it. And at this point, we have pencilled in some venue bookings for 2017 to run the first teachers games if we can get everything over the line. Yeah, it's not it's not and it's not a super competitive thing, is it? It caters for all. Yeah, sort of it's yeah. Levels. I mean, it's a bit like you know, winning's important. Um, yes. So there will be plenty of social events and plenty of competitive events. And I mean, for example, you know, we're looking at a model similar to Australia, where one day's golf would be a competitive New Zealand um, stroke play teachers championship. The next day will be Ambrose Forsums for schools, and uh, you know, one day will be a netball event for women that. Is a New Zealand champion netball team next day will be a mixed netball tournament, and then we're looking at a lot of social events around you know New Zealand's fastest teacher and um, the great race and um, a lot of less uh, you know less formal um, sporting competitions. My, my department when I when I spoke to them about this, they they wanted to know was there going to be a, a dodgeball championship? Yes, as part of it. Dodgeball Fantastic. is definitely on the list. Right. Dodgeball is definitely on the list, uh, along with um, the, the main sports that we've got sitting on the list at the moment: bowls, golf. Futsal, dodgeball, um, badminton. Uh, look, I can't remember. There's about twelve of them that we think we'll use for the inaugural games. But mm. Yeah. Mm. but there will there will be a, a good mix of social and um, and competitive opportunities for people. It sounds amazing, and I, I think it's just more excuses for us to network with other other teachers because I don't think we quiz yeah. night will be good. Quiz night every night. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I know. I know a couple of big quizzes who so will be keen on that. Um, finally, last question. I know you're an avid skier. Um, best yeah. ski field in, North, in the northern hemisphere, and why? Oh, uh, definitely Colorado. Um, just higher and drier, and uh, there's a lot of fields I like in Colorado. Breckenridge, mm -hmm. um, Beaver Creek, Vale. Hard to pick my Keystone. I mean, the the times I've been to um, that area skiing, I think every time, based on where the snows come from that year, what direction the, the difference. If I had to pick one, probably just for scale and variability, I'd probably pick Breckenridge. Okay. There you go. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll take your word for it, and I'll try to convince my wife to uh, let me let me hit there. Hey, I really want to thank you, Gary, for stopping by and sharing some of your wisdom um, with our listeners. Um, without sounding too cheesy, you're you're a fountain of knowledge, and I feel like I come away more intelligent every time I speak with you. Um, so once again, thank you, and um, I look forward to catching up with you again, mate. Thanks, Carl. Good luck. Cheers. Cheers.